Hello, and welcome to Modest Conversations. Um, I'm here with a good old friend, Greg Gallant, who is the founder of Muckrack and the Shorty Awards, and really importantly, was my office mate at 68 J Street in, what was that, like 2006? Yes, that's right. 0607. 0607, well before Dumbo was a, a cool place to be, let alone start a company. So, Greg, welcome to Modest Conversations. What's on your mind? It's an honor to be here. It's uh, it's great to have you. We're here with some whiskey. We're doing this properly. Yes, I got whiskey on my mind. It's uh, good to be back in San Francisco. Yeah. So, it's funny. We were reminiscing because I feel like you were the first entrepreneur, internet entrepreneur I knew who was like super into bootstrapping. Everyone around us was just like, was doing venture back startups. And you're like, no, I think I'll just start a company for $8 and see what happens. It's worked out pretty well. Yeah, it's been, been a good run for us. We've been able to grow both Mark Rack and the Shorty Awards on, uh, you know, almost no, no investment, never raised any institutional money, no, no outside board of directors or anything like that. And, uh, it's fun. You know, we got to get the money from the investors, <laughs> I mean, money from the customers. What a, what a novel concept. It's uh, it's kind of radical. Yeah, it's one I've come to embrace, but it took me a lot longer to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what what's on your mind these days. What should we talk about? Oh man, you know, like the whole startup ecosystem just blows me away. Especially in, New- I feel like New York kind of caught up to San Francisco in the sense that like you don't know everything that's going on anymore. Yeah, because when we were there, it was like. I think we probably knew everyone in the New York startup ecosystem because there were about a hundred people. Yeah, it was pretty easy to know everyone in the startup ecosystem. Exactly, around. and then you you know you hear something going on, and you're like, oh, who's this new person? Like, we gotta find them out. And yeah. now it's just wild to see how much stuff is happening, and also just like the pace of it all, like how easy it is to throw it together. Yeah, so you're very pro New York tech these days. Yeah, I'll always been. You know, going back to '05 when I moved. Back to New York after college and got to see kind of the the whole New York tech ecosystem blossom. But what I've always liked about New York is that like you go to like I used to visit San Francisco and first couple days I'd love it because I'd be like people actually understand what I do for a living out here. Back then you know I'd say something like podcast or blog or RSS and everyone knew what it meant. Whereas in New York nobody knew what the hell I did. But then I'd find like after a few days in San Francisco, it's like, oh wait, everyone I meet is in tech. And, yep. you know, it's just one big tech networking party. But what I liked about New York and what I still like about it is like you're meeting, you know, you're meeting writers, you're meeting artists, yeah. you're meeting people in fashion and finance, like all these different industries. And I think that's kind of benefited the New York tech ecosystem where people come at it, but you can hire people who like know all about these other Worlds, whereas, but, but knowing about it, I mean, industry. Knowing about an industry can't possibly be valuable. Don't you? Just technology blows it all away, right? <laughs> yeah, who needs it? Right? Who needs that? No, it's funny because I feel like I was. I mean, I think you'll validate that I was like pretty long on the New York tech scene. You know, I started the Y plus thirty when you started the Shorty mm-hmm. Awards and like all this type of stuff back in the day. And I definitely feel like somewhat of a New York trader, having now spent <laughs> six years out here and being pretty spending a lot of time in the San Francisco ecosystem. But I think. And what you're saying resonates. I mean, it is cool to watch a bunch of these companies that are deeply tech-enabled. They take a lot of advantage of tech, but they're also kind of grounded in this kind of both hustler mentality and in the industries they're in, like a Casper, right, or things mm-hmm. like that we were talking about earlier, um, kind of come up and really become pretty serious businesses. I don't know. What do you think comes next? Let's see, next for New York, definitely Gowanus. 
That's the new. It seems that's like the is new that the new Dumbo? Place. That's the new Dumbo. Dumbo is too too pricey now for startups. Yeah. You know, they're million dollar condos and public companies based there, like when Etsy, you, which I never thought I'd see. I mean, when you and I first moved into sixty eight J Street. Our best move financially probably would have been to buy 68J Street rather than work on startups at all. (laughs) I still remember, I don't know if you remember this, there was one night where like some dude opened the door and asked us some questions. I think it was just you and me were working late on our respective startups that night. I remember some dude like asked a couple questions like, I forget what it was about as though he was going to be selling us on insurance. We were pretty sure he was casing the place out. (laughs) To rob Wait, do you remember this? We were scared of that guy. Yeah. And then we went on the web and downloaded an image of like protected by surveillance oh, and printed yeah. it out on the jet and taped it up on the door. I remember that. Deterred. Not that we actually bought any. No, not, no. That, that the did paper any was security. the deterred. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I do remember doing that. That was really fun. And then we, we basically papered over the door so that no one saw there was any computer equipment. <laughs> that's in there. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> God, I, I I remember that, and I remember we used, we'd have events, and we would hire. Um, I mean, I feel a little bit bad saying this, but hopefully it's all right. I, we would hire the the homeless guy on the corner to be our security guard at the door. Do you remember I, this? I never. I remember the security guy at the door. I didn't know he was. Yeah, the he homeless was homeless guy. guy, and he was a perfectly nice guy. We'd give him like forty dollars, and he would let people into the building after hours. But it was a uh, different. And era. it worked. We We're never fine. got robbed. We did not, to my to our knowledge, get robbed. That's right. <laughs> That's too funny. So tell, 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 tell people about Gowanus. What's going on in Gowanus? What are the hot startups in Gowanus these days? Yeah, so for any listeners that haven't been to New York, first of all, Gowanus, a super fun site, the uh, man-made canal through Brooklyn that was um, polluted, very polluted for decades and still is. Now, Genius is probably, formerly Rap Genius, is definitely the most famous startup. I didn't realize they were in Gowanus. I also had no idea that that's what was in Gowanus. Yep. That's cool. Draft Genius, we did our company holiday party in Gowanus at a uh, shuffleboard, hipster <laughs> shuffleboard place. It's just, you know, big venue with a bunch of shuffleboards and two bars. That sounds like a very high margin business. I feel like shuffleboards are not very expensive to install in a bar. It's, it's got to, <laughs> they got to be making a killing there. That's awesome. And then, you know, it's funny, like when I was walking up there, it was the first time I've been in Gowanus in a little while. And there's like some brand new condo right on the water there. Yep. You know, of course, on this super fun site this thing so i'm just thinking like do they advertise it as a water view <laughs> so you can view water why not yeah exactly like technically it is you know it's a super fun site that you would not want to even dip your toe in <laughs> that's too funny <laughs> but that's that's the state of brooklyn it's like there's always there's some good technology to be made but there's always a new frontier in brooklyn there's yeah that's a good t-shirt slogan <laughs> what's going on in manhattan so you live in the west village that's right. And you've lived there literally forever. Yeah, for been in the same apartment for 10 years, Tommy Ramone or the Ramones old apartment that I found out several years after I moved in. Oh, wait a minute. Did you tell me that his name is still on the buzzer, right? But it's his birth name. Got it. So it's like T or Dahlia Lee. And then someone mentioned it to me that he'd lived there and I Googled it and it turns out like, you know, that was his immigrant name that, uh, he, they, they went by the Ramones when, That's awesome. uh, when they started the band. Yeah. So you're in the West Village in, in Tommy Ramones apartment. What's, what's changed in your neighborhood? So, you know, in the village, I would say on one hand, it's all, 
you know, there, there's this great quote I read from an artist, which is like, you live in New York, you live in a new city every five years. Right. Because the average tenure of someone in New York is about four years. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, is your, uh, your testament too. I made it a little but more you made it a little four, longer. But you know, I wasn't too but far. Yeah. It's like me. people cycle out. It's a tough city to live in. And you know, people want space. So they, or, you know, the kind of people in New York are very ambitious and want to do things and opportunities come up elsewhere in the yep. world. So, you know, by nature of it, it's like most of your friends cycle over every five years. Just about every restaurant in my neighborhood and establishment has cycled over in five years. Although I get this funny thing where my, my super is 85, was born in the building. So he has stories of the West Village gentrifying from an Italian ghetto yep. to what it is today. And, you know, it's kind of the story of every neighborhood. It's just that that happened. I don't know, probably 30 years ago or, you know, 40 years ago, whereas now you have, uh, you know, I remember like when I first got to New York, when we first met, I, I went out once to visit a friend in Bushwick and it was like, you know, no one went to Bushwick back then. And I just remember like looking at like this street where super run down and there was like one hipster coffee shop with a bunch of hipsters sitting outside and you look left and you look right. And it's like the grungiest neighborhood ever to now where, you know, there's, uh, fancy pizza place for Berta's that people, you know, line up for hours to get into and just dozens of hip, you know, high end bars out there. Yeah. Same in, uh, Fort Green and Red Hook and all these other neighborhoods. Yeah. It's pretty unbelievable out. what's changed. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh. So, so as a New Yorker, as a real New Yorker who's built a real, two real successful technology business or one events business, we'll call it. <laughs> it, was, it was the first, what was it when you, when we, when you started the Shorty Awards, what did you pitch it as again? It was the first, a, like award ceremony on the Twitter API or something? What was that? Yeah, I would say like, well, we thought about it. We didn't think about it as an event or even an award show. We were like, we think that we could crowdsource who's the best on Twitter yeah, by that. getting people to tweet out who they thought was the best. And now like everyone does, you know, you do an online voting, you make yeah. it to so post it Twitter and Facebook, but no one had ever done that before because Facebook was closed no one had done it. So we just had the syntax where, and it's changed a lot now. It doesn't work this way anymore, but you would just tweet out, I nominate at lesson for yep. a hashtag tech award. In fact, in the first year, you could make up any category you wanted. Yeah. It's actually so, kind of a cool, a cool, cool model. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was so fun to like come up with it. And you know, we could only come up with it because we didn't know anything about the awards business. I guess validating your, <laughs> your idea, which is maybe you're better off being ignorant and not a New Yorker, but. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, so yeah, we, we built, we, we were like, okay, we want to crowdsource who's the best on Twitter. Cause you saw Twitter was the first social network that let you post Kennedy publicly. Access. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you could actually be good at tweeting about something. Whereas right. you, at the time you couldn't really be good. Or you could be good on Facebook, but only your friends would know. Yeah. And yeah, nothing else. Is. So we thought we could crowdsource that and we called it an award. People would actually care about it. So $8 later on GoDaddy, we had shortywords.com. We built the website in two weekends. And just this voting mechanism, we like said, oh, there'll be an award show. But I was thinking to be eight people in some bar and we'd print up certificates on our inkjet. Yep. But within 24 hours of launching, top trending term on Twitter, got covered in Wall Street Journal, New York Times, BBC. And we're like, oh, shit, people want to come to this thing. And you saw a scramble over the course of two months. Yeah, you, so. bar you borrowed a ton of Dropio laptops to for, for projecting. That's right. That's how I got in because I didn't have a ticket, but you let me in because I, I was the only one who knew the password to the laptops. <laughs> That's right. It was a good strategy. So we, we didn't know anything about events. So you know, we had this VIP line, but everyone was VIP the first year. So 
huge clusterfuck at the uh <laughs> at the door we had uh actually my cto lee's brother we just made the bouncer and, yeah uh, he was the only one at the door we had uh over 100 more people show up than we could fit in the venue and uh you had the leverage because you had the 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 yeah. passwords to our, uh, our laptop. It's all about leverage. Protectors. That's, That's something right. that I've been consistent about in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, and then who was, you had some like local news anchor do the second year. Do you remember this? Who was that? That's right. Actually, well, it was Rick Sanchez. Got it. He wasn't a local news anchor. He was a CNN anchor and he was one of the first anchors on, um, I think the first TV anchor on Twitter who would like talk about Twitter on his TV show. Good and now him. everyone Pioneering. does that. Yeah. But sadly, his, I don't know if you remember, he got into a spat with, um, uh, whiskey's getting to me, the old, uh, host of the Daily Show, um, John Stewart. Oh, did he really? Yeah. And it didn't bode well for his career. So, really? Yeah. His I, didn't career, know, I didn't know that John Stewart had ended anyone's career. Oh, he's ended a lot of careers. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. If you remember, like Tucker Carlson, I mean, Tucker Carlson's still on TV, but he shut down Cross. Crossfire on CNN single-handedly. He went on and like criticized their whole left-right thing. Yeah, and, I kind of uh, remember that, but I don't remember actually. Kind of shamed them into shutting it down. But yeah, he got into this whole spat with wow, got uh, it, Rick Sanchez. But at the time, it was like a huge coup to get him. So he no, I remember it, it was because at the time two. there really wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but it was long enough ago that the level of like internet celebrity just didn't exist, right? Like people didn't. There was no one with who had that much clout. Purely, I mean, there there were viral videos had just become a thing, right? So you had like, I mean, like Ricky actually just reposted the the great college humor lip dub um, oh, yeah. that was of that era, right? Uh, of flagpole sitta, remember well, that? And there was like chocolate yeah, yeah. rain, and there was like some of these kind of like internet meme like flash in the pan videos, but there was there really weren't internet celebrities. Yeah, you're right. Or to the extent. Well, I think the perfect analogy for it is, do you remember the Department of Internet Revenue on South Park? Yes. Where it was like the Namanawa guy and all, all that. Where, yep. And they were all show up to the Department of Internet Revenue. Yes. And they had no money. <laughs> but to me, like they got to do a follow-up episode to that because now the Department of Internet Revenue exists. Because yeah. now if you're a celebrity on the internet, you're making real money. Yep. Like last year we had uh, Casey Neistat won our uh, YouTuber of the Year yeah. award. Who's and- a friend and an awesome guy. Yeah, amazing guy, and uh, and it's just wild to like watch. And he's in the Super Bowl ad for Samsung, yeah. and I mean, just uh, you know, kind of internet treasure now. But he was built completely of the internet, and yep. he was making shit for the t- past ten years, and only recently kind of uh, really got the recognition he deserved for it all. Yeah, I mean, he's an incredible creator. I mean, I I've really enjoyed my conversations with him. He and I have gone on a bunch of good runs. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, that just couldn't have happened before you had public posting and things like that. It just wasn't. Yeah, it's like all all these things needed to happen. So at the time, like there were internet celebrities, but they were um, they were powerless. They might, yeah, they they still had to work at Starbucks or whatever their day <laughs> job was to make it work. So what do you think happens next? I mean, you what happens next in the internet celebrity world? Is there a change? I, Does it just get totally fragmented? Do they get more powerful? Do they get less powerful? I don't know. What comes next? I think they're just going to get bigger and bigger. Cause like the thing that I, I I've observed seeing like, you know, a couple of years ago we had for the first time where like there would just be teenagers outside of the shorty words trying to catch a, you know, basically a hug and a selfie with their favorite influencer. And I ran into like an entrepreneur at the event. He's like, Oh, is that the shorty awards? I'm like, 
oh, what were you doing there? He's like, well, I was outside the shorty words with my teenage daughter, but she got a selfie <laughs> with her favorite, favorite influencer. So she was, you know, it was like the best thing I could have done for her. So, you know, the, and for these, you know, you talk to these teenagers, like they don't give a shit about George Clooney or any, any traditional celebrity. They care about the influencer much more than the celebrity. Yeah. But what's more interesting about that even is like, you know, you and I grew up, you know, my, maybe we had a favorite actor or actress. Sure. But by definition, we didn't really know who that person was, right? Yeah. Like we saw them in their characters, but we have a, a shred of intelligence. We know that like they're playing that character and, you know, neither of us know who the, who the real Michelle Piper is or who the real George Clooney is. Sure. I mean, they're always acting. But with these influencers, it's fascinating because like their whole shtick is that is they are who they are. Yeah. And they probably Which are is, because they sometimes started. Sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> they are, sometimes they're not. And, and we're all different people in different situations. Yeah. So, you know, there's not like there's one true mm-hmm. Sam Lesson or Greg Gallant, right? But, but it is, but you got to imagine it's pretty authentic because they started when they were 13. So it's not like they had yeah. script writers or some, you know, great idea to base their act on. It yeah. was who they are. I mean, who they are is going to change, but like it was them in a webcam in their room and yeah. that's how they still do it. But it's interesting. It's like, take like, I mean, compare that. I'm just thinking out loud to like one of my favorite modern artists, like a Lady Gaga. Right. Mm. And like, I think one of the interesting things about Lady Gaga, who's also of this era, right. But, but not an internet celebrity, right. An actual normal celebrity is yeah. it's like so clearly performance art. Right. And like, I have always, I mean, she kind of can change what the performance is or evolve the performance. Because it's not actually her, right? She has, like, created this alter ego. Like, do you think there's, like, a perishability issue to some degree with some of these authentic celebrities or the, the people who are just being themselves? Like, how do they, how do you think about, like, a character evolving when it is just you? That's a good question. You know, I mean, it's interesting, like, I forget, I'm trying to remember who said the quote, but it's that life isn't about finding yourself, it's about creating yourself. It's a good quote. I don't know who said it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, I don't know if you do a, if you do show notes, but you can add it. I mean, that. we've never done this. We don't. We don't really. This is nothing we've scripted before. So no, we have never done show notes. Doesn't we? Do, we can't. This, do show this notes. should be the first episode with show notes. Well, we, we could at least got, put a comments in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you have to show me how to put show on. notes. Something. I don't know how to do that. I will, we'll, this would be a challenge to all the millions of listeners <laughs> to the Sam Lesson <laughs> podcast who can who can cite that uh, that who that quote was from. Fair enough. But, uh, you know, you know, the idea being, I think, I, mean, I think it'll actually be torturous for a lot of these influencers because yeah. like you start when you're 13, I mean, you know, it's so hard to wrestle with your identity yep. when you're a teenager, much less that you've now locked yourself into your 13 year old personality that you've now got to figure out how to reposition for your audience yep. when you're 16, which is hard enough when you don't have an audience of even a couple thousand people, much less hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's gonna, do you think it's, screw up some psychology. I mean, do you think but, it's, but it's interesting. Do you think that it's meaningfully different than, you know, let's set aside the true celebrities, but like the normal teenager? I mean, this is something that's kind of out of our experience because we watched this stuff and we participated in different ways, but like, you know, we were in our 20s when this stuff became mm. real in any form, um, versus the kids who really did grow up with it. Do you think there's an issue of like how they think about, they're following and evolving that beyond like their high school click. Like, I don't know. Do you think that they don't get the restarts in college and post-college that we got to some degree from an identity perspective? 
Yeah, I always think about that. You know, I mean, there's got to be a lot less of a restart because you're going into it and you're still connected. Yeah. Imagine yourself. Like, I remember, like, you just went years without. I mean, Facebook came out my junior year of college, Mm -hmm. my school. And, like, and and still, like, you couldn't connect with people at other colleges for a little while. And not all the colleges were on it. So, like, aside from, like, a couple of my closest friends from high school, I lost total track of them. Yeah. It's probably for the better. <laughs> so, you know, maybe the analogy is, like, you know, there are always, like, the people where, like, they'd go into high, you know, college and they'd still kind of keep up, like, a few high school relationships really yeah. strong. It's, like, probably that on steroids for everybody right now. Yeah. So, I don't know if that's healthy or not. Yeah, it's a question. Is, like, is the, do the influencers have a magnified experience of the problem that everyone has or is it a fundamentally different problem yeah well i feel like the influencers might be better off because they've kind of transcended whatever however yeah. they got cast as a high school or now they're a celebrity to their twenty thousand followers yeah. or whatever but for everybody else i kind of worry about them more you know yeah. that they're going to get stuck as their high school self are there any good examples of people who have become influencers later in life or is it really a teen phenomenon with a few exceptions? I think Casey Neistat's a good Casey's example. a good example. Casey's a good example. But is Casey he, well, an anomaly? Well, last year, the, the most popular guy we had at the Shorty Awards was DJ Khaled. Okay. You know, much later in life, I don't know how old he is, but it's got to be. But like, he was already late kind of a celebrity. Yeah, he was kind of a celebrity, but he'd kind of fallen into obscurity and Snapchat revived him. Fair. Uh, one of my favorite examples was... Uh, the runner-up in that category was Dr. Miami. I don't know who that is, but I probably should. He's a uh, well Miami-based uh, plastic surgeon. And he originally started posting uh, plastic, you know, like images from his operations to Instagram. So, yeah, Inst- the drum-up business, I assume. Yeah, that's right. Drum-up business or whatever drove him. Instagram banned him. So he went on Snapchat and started posting. It's like the whole surgery. I tried to watch. He's a great showman. Like he, you know, does like a motivational talk with all of his nurses in the morning. <laughs> they do like a high five. Then it's like everything. They're cutting the person open. They're like, you know, bouncing around the fat they just cut out of somebody. Like the whole thing is wow. on Snapchat. I, I had to watch a little for a press interview and like I had to stop following him after that. <laughs> But anyhow, it was so funny because he's like, okay, I'm going to come up to the Shorty Words and bring my family. Turns out he's an Orthodox Jew. <laughs> so all of his kids have the, uh, what do you call it? The seat seat. Yeah, 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 yeah. the seat seat and, you know, the yarmulkes. And he's yeah. got like five children. He comes up there as his wife. We're not expecting Dr. Miami to like come up with five <laughs> Orthodox children. In all fairness, that might have been a miscalculation on your part. <laughs> True. I, I, I mean, it was a good, le- humbling lesson. I can't make assumptions. It's, uh, you know, where they say you make an ass out of you and an ass out of me. It definitely, definitely made an ass out of me there. Meanwhile, our host last year was uh, Mamrie Hart, who's another big YouTube influencer about our age. So, again, yeah. you know, someone who came to it a bit later, you know, training as a classical comedian. and. Yep. She was like, hey, you know, what kind of tone do I need for this event? We're like, oh, you know, you make a couple of curses, you know, kind of a, you know, it's professionals here. Like, yeah, yeah. You, you can be real. It's not a fan. You don't have to make it a family friendly show. Meanwhile, Dr. Miami comes and gets uh, seats, grabs seats in the first row with his family. So Mamrie comes out, you know, with all this raunchy material. And first thing she does is look down, see five Orthodox <laughs> Jewish children. And she's like, what am I doing here? That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's great. (laughs) 
So it sounds like you've still been causing plenty of trouble at the Shorty Awards for the last few years. It hasn't 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 we, hasn't lost its edge yet. We try our best. Yeah, yeah. We try my team crazy now because now now we are like professional event producers and an event production company, but. That's For me, it's always about like how can we kind of subvert the model. Like I'm always, I'm always shocked I'm running an award show because <laughs> I've always been the kind of person who's naturally cynical and doesn't. Take I mean, yeah, there was seriously. An, yeah, there was an element too. I feel. I mean, you can tell me if this is wrong, but in my head, at least, that it was a little bit trolly to start. Right? It's like one of those great. I've always thought it'd be a good idea to start a, a troll venture capital fund that only invests in trolls. Um, because I feel like actually there's a pretty high correlation with successful things and things that sound like trolls when you listen to them. But it was a little, I mean, it was, it was not a, it seems like the spirits carried forward. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I would go with tongue in cheek, maybe. Tongue in cheek, uh, fine. I mean, you, you edgy. had great, great respect and you were very excited about the open access to the Twitter platform, which was a platform mm-hmm. at that point and a bunch of other things for sure. But it was, uh, it's good times. Yeah, it's definitely on the edge. And I mean, at the time when I saw the shorty words, I wasn't even fully bought into the Twitter concept yet. But yeah. I just saw, it was just so interesting to see what it was as a media platform. Yeah. No, for sure. Very cool. But well, if you told me at the time I'd be doing it nine years later now, <laughs> I would not have <laughs> believed you. Fair enough. Well, dude, it was good to hang out and talk with you about this stuff. It's fun to reminisce about those old days. And uh, it seems like in some ways a lot has changed and in some ways not very much. But yeah, yeah. It's an honor to be here in the studio. I just can't believe how much gear we have around us oh right God. now, and the the soundproofing efforts you put into this. Uh, you know, we really this room. We take it very seriously, as you know. No, that's what I like what you saying. It's always <laughs> every, everything to the T. Anyway, dude, good to see you. Thanks for having me on, sir. Till the next time.